0: Today, manufacturing companies are getting hit with so many different hurdles. There's supply chain issues. There's long lag time before they can get new equipment into their facility. And then there's that component of adding the ESG to your mission statement, the environmental sustainability governance. How can manufacturing companies do it all? I have an answer. Utilizing industrial auctions. And today, my guest is going to give you insights on how you can do that. But before we get started, my name is Donna Peterson, and you are listening to the B2B Marketing Excellence Podcast, where I talk to business leaders all over the world about their specific industries, about their marketing, what's working, what's not, and what trends they see for the future. These insights are gonna help you grow your business year after year. So let's jump in. Today I am excited because I'm going to be speaking with my good friend, John Magnuson. John Magnuson is a president and managing director of Integra Asset Solutions. I know some of you are sitting there thinking, asset solutions, what is that? Well, think of industrial auctions. I've been in the industrial auction space for over 20 years, and every day I am fascinated by new aspects of this industry, so I thought, hey, let's ask an expert. Hey, John, how are you today?
1: I'm great, Donna. How are you? Good to, good to finally talk to you.
0: Yeah, it is. I'm so glad we finally got to connect on this. It's something we've wanted to do for a very long time. It sure so. has been, yep. Today Looking is good day. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you first, how did you even get started in this space?
1: Uh, good, good question. Um, I obviously um, after college, I was kind of just, you know, didn't have much going on. Um, my brother was in the actual the uh, used machinery space, um, bought and sold used machinery for a very big dealer here in the, in the United States who had international reach um called me one day and said hey are you interested in actually doing something with your life um so I said sure that sounds fun I didn't know anything about anything when it came to machinery um but I moved from Florida back to Chicago to um to start working at this company and uh it was there that I kind of built the foundation for for where I am now that's 30 years ago um where I am now so um learned about Manufacturing equipment, primarily the metalworking equipment side of things, um, stamping and fab and CNC and all that good stuff. Um, learned how to buy and sell equipment, um, Learned how to market equipment. And actually that's the kind of that was my first taste into the the auction space because I would attend auction sales and go buy on behalf of the company. Um, so it was it was there that I kind of cut my teeth in the space. Um, there's not a lot of inroads, honestly, to the to the auction <laughs> business. It's kind of a it's kind of an outlier there for most people. And it's when it's when I try to explain to people what it is that, that I do for a living, um, it's uh, it's I usually get the same response, it's like, "Or oh, you like Richard Gere and Pretty Woman? Do you buy and sell companies?" I'm like, "Yeah, not, not so much, but okay, we'll take that." Um, or I'll say, "You know, have you ever seen the show How It's Made?" And they're like, "Yeah, I've seen the show How It's Made." And I'm like, well, I know how it's made because I've been in most of those plants and I've seen how I see what the next piece of equipment is, what the next process is. So um, it's, it's a very fulfilling um, career because it's always different. And I've, I've been privileged to have been a part of not only the first company that I mentioned, but um, a very, very large multinational finan- financial services company. I was there for about 20 years. Um, and it's there that I actually kind of really ingrained myself in the auction space Um, because I was um, a partner in the valuation side of the business where we we traveled pretty much all over the country. And I had the opportunity to travel worldwide to do valuations of manufacturing facilities anywhere from a small mom and pop shop to uh, six million square foot GM facilities. So I've been been and done and seen a lot of different things, which is really, really cool. Um, And it's it's there that I actually was introduced to to the auction side of the business. And I, I did that for about 10 years there. Um, prior to launching Integra uh, in 2020.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so that's kind of the background.
0: It's an interesting background, and I totally agree. What makes this space so exciting is because it's different every day. You know, for you, depending on what facility or what piece of equipment it is. Absolutely. It could really change. Like I have helped auction off things from a yellow submarine, believe it or not, yep. to you know HPLC machines or CNC machines. So every day it is different in trying to figure out who's going to be interested in those assets.
1: Exactly. What's what? What are they worth? What are they? What are they worth? Who wants to buy them? Um, and then executing that whole process in order to get that to the people. And you know, any at any one time, um, we could have five or six different sales on our calendar, and it could be in five or six different industries, which which makes it exciting. So we have kind of that in-house expertise from all of our years of experience with all these different asset classes um, throughout a lot of different industries and in, in manufacturing and the service sector. That's kind of allowed us to, to get comfortable doing that.
0: Yeah. And it has to be a really great space, especially right now, because you know, if we open up anything with the media, we're hearing about supply chain issues or, you know, such a lag time for companies to get new pieces of equipment into their facility. For and sure. There, the there, no
1: it it's you know what's what's interesting is that when we when we launched Integra, um, we kind of it was during COVID, which most people thought we were crazy. And, you know, maybe we were, because <laughs> um, we all had these very stable jobs <laughs> at very strong companies. And um, it was, it was honestly one of those situations where um, like a lot of people, I mean, we all kind of took stock of our lives and where we've been and where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do. Um, and kind of all of us, there's eight of us as part of the company, all of us kind of felt the same thing. I mean, we, we really liked where we were before, but we thought that there was more for us out there, um, both personally and professionally. Um, and we had this strong belief and confidence in each other's um, knowledge and experience and relationships and all that kind of good stuff that really kind of is the part of the secret sauce to make the whole thing work. Um, and, and to do it during COVID, um, t- to your point, I mean, there was a lot besides the supply chain issue, which kind of came out after that um there was a lot that we just nobody knew frankly and you know we went into this thing thinking is there going to be any deal flow what's going to happen in the manufacturing sector are people going to buy at auctions I mean how long is it going to last so there was a tremendous number of unknowns for for us kicking off a company as well as just everybody in the world so um it was it was kind of a it was kind of interesting because it was counterintuitive to what we thought was going to happen um Auction participation actually increased exponentially for some reason during COVID, and the only thing that we could ever really come up with was the fact that people were home; they were stuck at home; they were working from home; they didn't have interruptions from from the office and everything else going on; they couldn't travel, so they figured, "What the heck? Let's just watch them auctions." And we and we saw we saw the participation levels go up um, really really strongly, and it really was enlightening to us. Um, I think what happened was a lot of people who were kind of Hesitant to that format of buying equipment, yeah. um, almost had to kind of change their mindset a bit just because that was one of the best ways, easiest ways to, to go ahead and procure equipment at that point in time. Um, yeah. Especially kind of kind of going back to what your point was with the with the with the supply chain issues and some of the global stuff that was going on. I mean, we we started to see um, that there was going to be some challenges for some people who wanted to buy new equipment, particularly. Yes. Um, yeah. Shipping, chip shortages, all those things that were happening between you know 2020, 2021, and even in the early 2022, um, really had a, a pretty big impact on the used equipment space because the new space was being affected so much by all of those other factors. Whereas all this all this used equipment was here, it was in place, it was in country, it right. was being yeah. used, and it could be delivered quickly after it was sold. Yeah. So so because of that, we had we saw a real uptick in um, not only auction participation, but demand for used assets and values of used assets, quite frankly.
0: Yeah. But aren't you still seeing that today? It's still hard for facilities to get um, equipment into their facilities in a timely fashion. It is. It's it's still a large lag.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, There's certainly some, some segments of the industry, some asset types that have recovered, yeah. Um, and early this year, we did some sales of some CNC stuff, some very kind of, um, I call it popcorn, um, CNC <laughs> equipment, stuff yeah. that everybody wants. Everybody knows very general use stuff. Yeah. And the, the OEM who, who we did this for, um, they actually, they have a very broad product line and they had to kind of decide which machines in the product line they no longer were going to manufacture because there was a chip shortage so they were kind of deciding okay well these are our most popular machines let's go ahead and make these and we'll put these to the back burner for a bit so there was that that was kind of in play there for quite a while even into 2022 that's kind of started to level itself off a little bit for for certain types of OEMs and certain types of assets Um, but we've had sales within the last two weeks where even Equipment like air compressors and boilers, plant support equipment, stuff that, you know, is kind of outside the realm of what people normally think of. Yeah. That stuff is is seeing tremendous recovery values, again, because of shortages of inventory from the OEMs.
0: Yeah, it is fascinating. So now when you go in and you help a company, why don't they just list individual pieces of equipment out on those used equipment sites versus an auction?
1: Um, It's a great question. Uh, So, so there's obviously a couple of different ways to sell stuff. I mean, the the thing that we really, um, Integra and people like us, where we really can provide value to a company, um, especially in a distress situation, is um, you have, it's, it's pretty easy to go ahead and say, okay, well, this facility is 50,000 square feet, and there's these 10 pieces of equipment that are driving most of the value. And those are easy to list. Right. Um, so you might have a in that facility. If, if that's a closure, there's probably 500 or 600 or a thousand lots because you have all this other stuff that needs to be sold. That actually has some some sort of intrinsic value of some sort that mm-hmm. somebody wants it, and the, the owner is actually paid for it. So um, to
0: get some money out of it, right? To <laughs> get some
1: money out of it. So so there's there's no reason not to sell it because in most instances they have to leave the leave the facility. Um, it's got to go somewhere and. They don't want to do it. That's not what they do. They've got other things to, to deal with at that point in time. So
0: then comes into play that whole environmental aspect, which absolutely. I like. because if you don't sell it to somebody else, okay, then we're throwing it out and it's going into the landfill. You don't want right. to do that. You'd rather have somebody reuse it. So,
1: absolutely. Go on. And, I just had the, to
0: bring that part into it. No, and
1: that, that's that's very valid. I'm glad you brought that up. The and it's it's really interesting. I mean, we're amazed almost at every sale, Donna. That um, There is a buyer for everything. I mean, sometimes we'll look at it and be like, nobody's going to want that, but somebody actually does want it. So (laughs) so that's that's a very interesting thing. And so that takes the burden off of the seller at that point in time. So we can come in as a single source provider and be able to sell everything wall to wall, floor to ceiling in a facility um, instead of just saying, okay, here, you go ahead and you take these 10 pieces of equipment and sell them. That's easy. Anybody can do that. Um, and, and that's where the, the, the kind of differences lie in listing. Now, if, if it's just a, a surplus to an ongoing operation situation, um, yeah. companies are healthy, they're doing fine, they need floor space or they're, they're consolidating operations or they're bringing in new equipment for that matter. Um, and they've got this 20,000 or 70,000 square feet that they want to clear up so that they can use that in, an, in, in a different way. We're happy to sell those on a one off or two off or package basis where it's not a it's not a complete facility. So it's in those instances where you can use those single listings as well. But really what it what the auction process does is allows the process to be accelerated. If you if you just list them on a on a, a listing site, you might get an inquiry here, inquiry next week for this. So it might take an extended period of time to to manage that process and eventually to sell everything. Whereas if there is a package of equipment, we can put it up within, you know, 30 days and have it delivered, sold and delivered within 45 days or 60 days at the most. And that, that space is freed up. So yeah. that's where I think the benefit is to, to kind of like that retail approach versus the, the auction approach.
0: Well, and I know also with the auctions, how I've helped auction companies like Integra is promoting those auctions directly to the people who would most be interested in the pieces of equipment. Absolutely, when you're able to send that directly to those people, you get them interested in the auction, and you do get some bidding in there. Yeah, which absolutely. Helps, you know, the people who are trying to sell the equipment raise the price a little bit so that they can get the best value.
1: Without a doubt. Um, you know, one of the benefits of, an of additional benefit of the auction space. Um, we use a, a auction, online auction platform. Most auctions are no longer live call auctions, as most people understand. That was going away even prior to um, COVID. I mean, we would have, in the old days, um, there might be three or 400 people in an audience and 20 people online. Even the months and years preceding COVID, it was just the opposite. I mean, 300 people were online and 20 people were in the audience, yeah. uh, but there was still an auctioneer calling it. Now we could have, we've had sales this year, we've had 900 people are registered to bid online and we've sold to, you know, a recent sale we had 266 different invoices go out um, with 850 registered buyers. So we have this kind of broad spectrum of this marketplace that we're able to touch for all these different assets that we talked about earlier that just don't include the major assets. So the the bidding platform itself is is a ginormous, Worldwide marketplace that kind of just feeds people who live off of looking for bargains, if you will, in the auction space. Right. Um, so, so that's that's always kind of helping market the sales and the assets as well, as well as our own individual efforts um, internally and obviously with your assistance
0: too, which is great. Yeah, well, you brought up a good point. Worldwide, you know, that's yeah. why these auctions have to be online because you've got people who are logging in from all over the world. Of all course. Over the world. Unless there's there's a power you know a power discrepancy and it can only be used in certain countries, but otherwise most of the time you can go all over the world to promote the auctions and get the buyers who are most interested.
1: Absolutely, I mean, really one of the only limiting factors that that we are guided by is I mean there's certain countries in the world who you know nobody in the United States can sell to the you know, North Korea's of the world and Iran and Cuba and things like that. Otherwise, you know, we've had sales, we've, we've had participation, um, since 2020, when we started the company, we've had, um, sales events in 25 different States and we've had participation from 48 different countries. So, I mean, that's, that's that worldwide scope that you, you touched on. And, um, in many instances, there's, um, there's kind of a pool of assets that, that a company has usually older stuff. Yeah. Um, the, as a market that's that's more active in Mexico or India or Turkey or something like that. Um, and that's really important because some of that stuff just won't sell in the United States. But in order to reach the, those markets, you, you're able to monetize and sell those so those types of machines um, and, and get them off the books.
0: Yeah, I've had I've seen the same thing where it, there's such an older piece of equipment. No one here in the States wanted, it, but maybe someone in a third world country will purchase the piece of equipment, which is a win-win for everyone. Yes, they sell it, but then these companies in these other countries are able to get that equipment in to help their facility produce the way they yeah, want to.
1: Absolutely. And in and, and many instances, that production from a company that maybe there's no longer um, is, is going out of business in the States, unfortunately, that work you know sometimes transfers overseas. And sometimes it's picked up where those machines are going. So yeah, kind of there's a there's a give and take with it for sure.
0: Yeah, it's a good thing. So when you're doing an auction, how much would you say your average cost savings is if you buy in an auction setting versus buying new?
1: Um, I know that varies
0: by pieces of equipment, but
1: it absolutely varies by pieces (laughs) of equipment. It varies for sure. Um, There's a lot of factors that come into play, and and, um, but. I would say, uh, on average, it's probably let's, let's let's call it a certain segment. If it's if it's later model equipment, when I say later model, let's say three to yeah. five years old, five to seven years old, somewhere in that where there's not a lot of generational control, for example, in CNC equipment um, where there's not a lot of changes in that, um, you could probably realize a twenty-five to fifty percent savings on average. Yeah. Um, and but again, at the beginning of this year, we were we were doing sales where we were seeing 80% of retail number or new asking price on certain equipment, again, because of shortage of equipment, supply chain issues and all that stuff. So, I mean, there's a variance obviously that come into play all the time, economic issues come into play all the time, but uh, on average, I think 25 to 50% is a a reasonable number to expect. Um, Then as you get older or certain asset classes, maybe that are are no longer technologically, or they're, they're realizing technological obsolescence you know, you might save 80%, but it'll still make parts. So yeah. And especially if it's coming out of a facility that, that they had a real good preventive maintenance program. Um, and the thing is some of the stuff just really doesn't change its character very much. So, I mean, it's still, it'll still make parts. I mean, we've sold a lot of stuff from, from the 1940s. It still does what it's supposed to do. So,
0: wow. (laughs) Fascinating. But sometimes, you know, when people think of industrial auctions, they always think it's used, but Sometimes you have auctions where it's either barely used or it's new.
1: For sure. Yeah, right? we, we absolutely experience that. Um, I've actually, I just, minutes before I came on today, I, I've got a, I just got another opportunity for um, brand new stuff that was actually new in 2017, hasn't been used, um, nice. still, in, still in crates from a major um, OEM and they're looking to sell that stuff. So yeah, so there's always opportunities to sell new for whatever reason, somebody might order something, it takes a while to get it, by then maybe the contract goes away, whatever those factors are, and um, here they have this piece of equipment that they made a major investment in, what do I do with it, I don't need it now. Um, Same thing with, you know, slightly new or slightly used, a couple years old, same thing can happen, we had, we had, we've seen um, companies pull contracts, um, for whatever reasons, and you know people ramp up and buy all this new equipment and all of a sudden they don't have the work anymore, or their their board doesn't want them to be in fabricating anymore, or yeah. whatever the reason. So yeah. now they're like, okay, well, I guess we have to sell this stuff. And we've we've experienced all those.
0: Yeah. I've seen that when I've gone into manufacturing companies and help them with their growth, and sometimes we'll sit down and we'll look at the different product lines and realize most of the revenue is only coming from three of their products, like you mentioned right. earlier. So then those pieces of equipment they have to manufacture these other products of theirs that they're going to eliminate is now available, and they'll sell it.
1: Right, it's taken up valuable floor space that they just no longer need, and you know it's kind of a constant reminder that hey. We made an investment in this thing. Let's go ahead and and try to try to get something out of it.
0: Get some money back out of it. Right. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. And and maybe reinvest that into either new technology, new machines, more employees, whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Now, is it difficult to buy in an auction setting if you're new? Like, let's say I'm new to the auction space, but there's a piece of equipment I really want. Will it be difficult for me to go in there and place a bid?
1: No, um, there's obviously there's going to be some hesitancy, but no, I'm actually the, the bidding platform. So we try to make it super easy um, on on our bidders, but the bidding platform itself is, is really easy internally. We'll try to just drive people to the bidding platform as easy as we can with, with simple, uh, single clicks in emails. Um, which will drive them to the bidding platform where uh, a registration, you have to do a registration like you would anywhere else on Amazon or anything else. Um, And then there's a very, very quick and painless approval process that happens on our end. And we just kind of look at you and say, okay, yeah, you're good to go. Um, As soon as you get the, you're good to go. um, Once the auction is live, it depends on if it's a webcast or if it's a a webcast being a live um, called auction where the auctioneer is calling the bids or nowadays, primarily timed auctions, it's just, you know, you get in there the day that, the, that they close and you just monitor, maybe you set up a watch list of the stuff that you're interested in, the 10 or 15 or 20 items. Yeah. Um, and you you just realize that, okay, this this piece is closing at this point in time. Um, I'm willing to pay X number of dollars for it. And uh, so let me just go in there and, and log my bids in. Um, you know, it's the online bidding um, from a bidder's perspective actually is more comfortable because, you um, Within, if if a the bids increase within the last minute, it expand it extends five more minutes, so you have time to think about it. Whereas in a live auction, the bids are just being called and called and called and called. You don't have it. You can't you can't run down the elevator office and ask your boss, <laughs> "Hey, do you want to spend another five grand on this machine?" Right. Where here, you have some time to kind of take a breath, think about it, um, and then you know make a decision, in either bid or not bid. Um, yeah. Post auction, um, very easy as well. Um, once an auction closes. You you basically receive an email with an invoice. On that invoice, you have payment instructions and different methods you can pay, be credit card, wire transfer, ACH, whatever the case may be. Um, It'll also include contact information for whoever's managing the project on site from Integra's basis, for example. Um, And then it'll list riggers who, if you bought something that that needs to be moved with a professional riggers assistance, um, we kind of vet them on the front end so you don't have to do that and um, you can just call them and get a price to see what it would cost to remove it and put it on truck. Um, we also try to accommodate those people who are buying probably 90% of the actual lotted pieces of equipment that are or assets that are at a facility. So our guys will help you know hand carry items if guy buys a box of hammers or tooling or whatever the yeah. case may be. Our guys will help them you know carry it out or pack it off to ship it or whatever the case may be. So We do our best um, to really kind of make the process as easy and as painless as possible, Um, and and that's important from, from the buyer's perspective first, but it's also important from our perspective because, as I mentioned earlier, we could have hundreds of different buyers, and we have a limited amount of time that we have to get out of a particular facility, so we need that process to run smooth from our side too.
0: See, that's so great to know. And that's something you should emphasize on your end, because I just had someone come in to me and say, Donna, I'm interested in this auction, but do I need a special special classification? Do I need to be? Uh... I said, no, anyone can go in and place a bid. Just make sure you have the financing in order. You know, I, don't get in on absolutely. something you don't have. And then was- also just see what the removal process is so that you're there. But if you help them do that, you know, you make it seamless for them.
1: We do. Yep. We try our best. And, and actually, um, it, I was just on the, the call this morning. We were, we were actually putting financing into place. We're going we're to get in, um, uh, work with U.S. Bank to offer financing to people so that oh. there'll be a single click to be able to fill an application and do financing through U.S. Bank, which is another kind of advancement in the process so they wouldn't have to go do that somewhere else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're always trying to make sure that we've got the, the buyers kind of interest um, yeah. in our kind of in our center and make sure that we do our best to make the process easy for them.
0: Yeah, because then it also makes it easy if you're a very small company, maybe you only want one piece. Mm -hmm. You may not be back in a few, maybe it'll be two, three years before you buy another piece, but that at least opens up the door for them to take advantage of this savings and to get it into their facility quickly.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that I I wanted to mention was that if somebody has the capability even to – To move their own equipment let's say they they have they buy a a little bridgeport mill or something if they have the wherewithal to pick it up they know how to do it um they have a forklift they want to bring as long as they provide insurance they can do that and save a few bucks that that way as well so um in 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 on the accounting side of things too um tax exemption is a big thing so if if somebody's tax exempt and we will we'll help them our accounting staff will help them through processing uh, their exemptions and make sure that that their invoices are correct. So they don't have to worry about that part of it as well.
0: Excellent. So now we've talked a lot about the buying side. We talked a little bit about the selling side, but can Mm -hmm. you expand upon the selling? Like what type of companies usually come to you to sell off their assets? Like what, what position are they in?
1: Um, Most of them, unfortunately are in a distressed position. Um, They're going out of business for whatever reason. Some of them, um, owners may be retiring. We've seen a, we've seen it since COVID, frankly, we've seen a, kind of a peak in that. I mean, people, they took stock of their life too. And yeah. they, they decided, hey, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years and I'm ready <laughs> to go to Florida and spend the winters down there and not have to worry about it. And they, and yeah. they don't have, their, their kids don't want to take advantage of the business. Yeah. They want on to do something else. So we've seen that. So, so um distress position from a financial issue, um uh retirements um those are those are the primary reasons why um consolidations i mean there's been a lot of um multi-location facilities where they've kind of consolidated. that's a deal we just had they they consolidated a very large um facility and they just moved the work to other facilities and that they had in the area or in the states So maybe they just didn't need that type of capacity anymore. So it wasn't necessarily a financial decision as much as it was, hey, this is just what the business um, factors are affecting us right now. So for whatever the case may be, um, you know, we can certainly they're all serviced the same way. And um, even if it's even if it's a package of surplus equipment or single equipment, like we talked about before, um, we we look at it and we we treat them all the all the same. The process is the same, the the valuation of the deal qualification, the valuation, the operational side of the business, the marketing um, and the sales process. Those are all very consistent throughout. I mean, just an application of um, what are you dealing with? How much time do you have to sell it? Who's the market? So we just kind of we have to figure those things out. And fortunately, um, over the years that we've done it, we've done a lot of it in a lot of different industries. So um, we, we have a pretty good idea what to do. And, and I think it's important to, um, to kind of understand um, how, how the process works from, especially from a full s- uh, facility closure. That's the thing that really is, uh, is daunting. Um, nobody expects that they're gonna go out of business. I mean, that's never a contemplation when somebody puts together an original business plan, right? So we have to be there as kinda, to kind of guide them through that because this is all new to them probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're just trying to make it as soft a landing as it possibly can be for them, right. while I'm trying to maximize their return on whatever whatever they've got going on in the future. The but idea that's, here
0: that's also important because here these people are already in, like you said, this distress situation. They are having to close down, and helping them get as much as they possibly can out of the equipment they have. I don't think I don't know if it softens the blow, but it it helps. It it definitely helps them.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, it helps. I mean, I, I think that that's really and that's really the only thing you, that that we can do at that point in time is just provide provide the best service that we can to make a very difficult situation a little less difficult. Um, and, and that's, that's a very difficult thing to do, but we certainly do that. But one of the things that I think is really important to, to understand and kind of can tangents back to what we were talking about earlier about the single listing machines yeah. and all that, Yeah. A, a facility closure. I mean, when I try to explain it to clients, um, or even friends or family, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the only way that I can really kind of liken it, and I think this kind of makes sense is that, Um, you have everything within the the walls and the floor-to-ceiling situation, as I talked about before. All that stuff's got to be sold and got to be moved. Um, And and our idea is we just basically merchandise it. So it's like having a, it's like having your own garage sale, except the garage sale for the whole block or the whole neighborhood is really what it is. And I mean, that could be, kind of a challenge for your own garage sale, right? Right. So so we go in there and we do our best to kind of pull everything out and sort it and figure out what's worth money and what's not worth money and then merchandise it. Like and at the end it's like I like to say that they're walking into like a Home Depot because you have right. rows and rows and rows of cool stuff. Um, and then you have all these other big machines or manufacturing assets, whatever the case may be, kind of surrounding it. Yes. Um, so so it's it's a very, very difficult thing for people to do on their own. Um, it takes a lot of years to understand where to take time to make money and where not to take time to make money, Um,
0: which will bring you the most, which assets will bring you the most value,
1: right, and then
0: also on the marketing standpoint, if you don't know how to do it, you know, which assets will bring in the most value, but now where to find the people who are interested in those, so you can get those sold as quickly as possible for these people.
1: Absolutely right. Yeah, that, that's that's really the that's really the key to it is understanding yeah. what the value is, where the value is, and who to who to extract that value from, and um and you know take some time to understand that. But uh, but we we get it.
0: Okay. So now my last question for you, because I know I've kept you for a while now. Where do you see the auction space going, like 2023 and beyond?
1: Yeah. Um, good question. I think that um, it's interesting. I look at the, if you think about the retail space, I mean, there was a retail's kind of going to the sidelines, right? Um, I mean, we all understand what's going on there. Retail liquidations, from my my knowledge, they were a big thing for a long time, especially in the early 2000s. You had major retailers that were closing down, and uh, as things kind of moved more and more online, um, the retail and brick and mortar uh, retailers kind of went away. I don't think that's going to happen. Manufacturing, I think manufacturing is strong. It's been strong. It's continuing to be strong. I think it'll be strong in this country for, for a for a while. And I hope it, I hope yeah. it is. That being said, I think there's always going to be a need for the auction space. Um, I think that there's there's more and more people who are in the transactional side of the of the used equipment business, mm-hmm. um, dealers particularly. Mm-hmm. who um, who have started to kind of migrate to being auctioneers as well, or partnering with auctioneers because they recognize that it's a lot harder to find good quality um, used equipment on the market pl- in the marketplace on kind of one off or two off or three off basis, which is kind of where their marginal uh, profits come into play. Um, yeah. So so they've now started to understand that, hey, there's the liquidation space, the auction space, is is a place to be, there's a lot of opportunity, even in up markets or down markets, the auction space can kind of hold its own for, for different reasons. Yes. Um, and, and it's I'm not saying it's recession-proof or, you know, that we, we can't be affected because we most certainly can. Yes. However, there's always going to be opportunities to buy and sell. There's going to be, unfortunately, companies closing down. There's going to be people retiring. And there's always going to be people who are looking to pick up that production. One of the things right now, Donna, that's, that's a really big thing, is um, we, in my past life, we did a bunch of stuff for the big three automotive um, okay. companies and all of their suppliers. Okay. Well, now that they're changing platforms and going to, to the electric cars, a lot of them, all of the stuff that used to make gas engines is now going to be available. That's now uh, like the next several years. There's this what's going to happen there situation. Well, we see a lot of opportunity there. And of course, anybody else who services the suppliers could be affected by that. So there could be this new kind of influx of equipment coming on the market just because there's this whole whole initiative to go to electric cars. So, um, and then what happens with that equipment that was used for the gas engines? Well, we still see there's an opportunity for that to sell that in India or Mexico or whatever the case may be. So I think transitionally, it'll, you know things will always be changing but I think that there's always gonna be an opportunity I think for the auction space, for people to buy at auctions and for people to sell at auctions.
0: Yeah. Well, I know since I started in the auction space over 20 years ago, there's a lot more players out in the field than there were, you know, you had a few companies, but now there's a lot of auction companies and in marketing, we talk about relationship building a lot. You know, marketing is all about relationship building, but that is probably the same within the auction space because you want to build a good relationship with the companies you're working with so that they trust you.
1: Yep hundred percent. Absolutely. And not just the companies that the companies that we're selling for, and most certainly the companies that are buying from us, right? We we want them to trust the fact that if they, if they participate in one of our sales, that we are going to be honest and we're going to have integrity and we're going to make sure that we give them the best experience they can and, um, and make sure that they're, they're comfortable and confident the next time that they they get an email from us, that they want to go ahead and participate in one of our sales.
0: That's what's important and also getting your brand out there so that the people keep top of mind where they can go when they need a piece of equipment, but also if they know it's going to be a seamless process and you're going to offer them a valuable piece of equipment that they actually will be able to use. Not that they get a piece of equipment that is to them and it's garbage, but if you build that relationship that instills trust, you get those loyal customers that will keep coming back to you, you know, year after year.
1: Absolutely, hundred percent right, and that's that's what we strive for.
0: Good, excellent. Well, I think that is the perfect point for us to say. I think this was a great interview, and thank I you so much that was fun taking the time to talk to us.
1: Of course, thank you so much, Donna. It was a pleasure. Right.
0: Talk to you later. Take Bye. Care. Bye. thank you for listening to the B2B Marketing Excellence Podcast. Please hit the subscribe button below so you don't miss our next episode. And in the meantime, if you'd like to talk to me, please feel free to send me an email to dpeterson at worldinnovators.com. Till next time, have a great day.